the American people to help us on the way. And we're trying our best. This is the Andy Demander Show. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday, August 25th. Holy crap, this month is almost over. Andy Kimball here in the USA, Hollywood, California. We have Amanda Love over there in the UK, opposite end of the world. And they join us here together three times a week to do a live call-in talk show. And that means you call in. The number is 515-605-9888. And we do have Amanda Love on the other side of the ocean chimed into the show at this time. Amanda, how are you doing there, babes? How's it going? Well, maybe we don't. I thought we did. Oh, I guess we don't. I thought Amanda was here. I, I don't. I don't. I, I love that introduction. I'm like getting all excited because Amanda, my internet wife, we've never met folks, is on the other line. I see her chimed into the show, and I'm like, Amanda Love is here, and then she's not here. You know. I couldn't believe my eyes. I know. Me too. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know. Hey. Um, How's it going, everybody? This is Wednesday. A lot going on. And we're starting to go behind the scenes of of what created this whole uh, shenanigans, um, this catastrophe to an extent in in Afghanistan. And we've done some research here, and I've looked into other people doing their research to figure out, well, how did this start? Where did it all begin? What happened? Hey, Amanda, I hear her. I hear her. She's back here. She's like, <laughs> I'm here now. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I know. I was here in Epton. I was responding to you like, how you doing, babe? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, my lovey. How yeah. are you? And it's, Amanda? Amanda? Oh, oh. Damn it. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, internet talk radio. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Yeah, there are all sorts of rumors, but we yeah. are, uh, we're here, though. <laughs> we're here to present another episode of whatever it is we do, um, yeah. which we're still trying to figure that out. But uh, yeah. whatever it is. So, uh, yes. I'm sorry for breaking it. up your flow there, my darling, with Afghanistan. It was so good. I was so I was so um I was so impressed with my introduction. And I was oh. all excited about getting you on the show. And I'm like, Hey Amanda loves on your line. Hey, here she is. And I went, Amanda, how are you doing? And I'm like, you know. Oh, my darling. I know. Yeah, I know. I was the same, mm. believe it or not. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you guys are not yeah, serious. I'm sorry. Well, we are. No, we're trying to be. Okay, let's be serious. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, we're just talking about I'm saying something that I want to get into today for a little bit. Just explore this a little further. Oh, we also talked about exploring. We're talking about the AMC squeeze and stock prices, but we'll get to that in a minute, in a few minutes. Oh, but anyway, uh, what a, because it, it's exciting, and we're going to take, get dedicate a lot of Friday show to that, but because... Uh, we're in the money, da dee ba dee dee. I want to talk about it a little bit, but yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, a, as I was saying before, you so rudely interrupted me. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what I was saying was uh, uh, kind of looking behind the scenes of the impetus, the foundation of what created this, the, the What's going on in Afghanistan right now? And I'm 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 a hmm. lack of words for you. What what, what you might want to call it? A miscalculation, perhaps. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, and I'm going to start with a um, with a quote from somebody who uh, left recording on the internet here, and we are on the internet regarding that, and we'll use that uh, caller to kick off the subject matter on this portion of our show. All right. Okay. I've had it with the people coming into my comments acting like I am personally responsible for what's going on in Afghanistan because I voted for Joe Biden. 
maybe I'm remembering things incorrectly, but wasn't it Trump who made this shit deal with the Taliban? Pretty sure it was that guy. Biden honored it. Was it a good idea? Probably not. Am I super excited about what's going on in Afghanistan? No, I'm not. But don't be a Trump supporter and then try to act like all of a sudden, like you care about anyone in the Middle East, like you care about Afghanistan, like you care about people's rights. You don't even care about people's rights in your own fucking country. But you're trying to make me believe that you give a shit about women in Afghanistan and gays in Afghanistan and they're right. Get the fuck out of here. Are you kidding me with this shit? Not get the fuck off. I'm not even going to have a discussion with you about it. Just stop. Stop, stop, stop. Wow. Yeah. 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 She's got a point. Doesn't she have a point? Yeah. yeah. Suddenly There's, everybody cares, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting. <laughs> it's what What's interesting is this, um, that... If we got her, I'm going to take you back in time. Take back in time. Ooh, a lead story, which you can anybody can can fact check this. A lead story on the front page of the New York Times, and this is uh, February February 2010. Very dramatic headline, and uh, the headline was "Secret Joint Raid Captures Taliban's Top Commander." Right. This is mm-hmm. a front-page headline in the New York Times. It uh, continues to read, USS Pakistan cooperated to bring in uh, the group's, you know, meaning the Taliban group's most influential man. It was uh, then back in February of 2010 that the Pakistani intelligence service arrested a man by the name of Mullah Abdulli Gihani Barada. Say that three times real fast. Yeah. Mahula? No. Mahula? M- 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 Malala. 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 Manana. Moderna. <laughs> Madella. Banana. Banana. Okay. Banana. Banana. Aduli Gahani Barardi. Whatever. Oh. Anyway, so this guy, we know he, he's the president of Taliban, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, he was a founding member of the Taliban and widely considered to be the mastermind of the Taliban's military office. Mm-hmm. And in both, he was a kind of like a, what you want to say, like a, a macro or wide-angle strategist and also the, the day-to-day commander of all the Taliban fighters there in Afghanistan. It was his leadership that was considered to be very important to the Taliban's success on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the time said, at the time of his arrest, that his being captured could cripple the Taliban's military operations. Again, I want to say he was the mastermind of those military operations. Okay. But they didn't get him. Right? In 2010, mm-hmm. and of course that was the only... Oh, that was about halfway through America's long war. What, about 10? So we've been here 20 years. So, yeah, so it was halfway through America's, uh, you know, long, pointless war against the Taliban in Afghanistan. But, yeah. Uh, Mohalla, whatever you want to call him, Barardi, however you pronounce his name, Bardar. <laughs> I, should do, I should do better than that, but I can't. I'm horrible at pronouncing these types of words, so we'll Just use that. initials. Uh, how? Yeah, so, so MGB... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Excellent. 
in, back in 2010, after they captured the guy, he was put into a Pakistan prison. You following me? Are you following me, Amanda? You following this, right? I okay. am. Uh, yeah, I think All so. All right. Yeah. So back in 2010, he was put into a Pakistani prison, and it was a joint operation between U.S. intelligence at the time and the Pakistani intelligence at the time. They picked him up, mm-hmm. and um, in practical terms, that meant ultimately he was locked up in jail, 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 jail. essentially at the request of the U.S. government. Right? Right. Okay. The CIA directly assisted in the raid in Pakistan that put this guy behind bars. Right. Okay. Mm. Which is why 10 years later, 10 years later, years after his imprisonment, at the request of the U.S. government, it really did take, I think, a lot of our breath away to see the same guy, Abdul Ghanayib Barardi, I'm not, he's not Italian. I'm making it Italian. <laughs> <laughs> the founder of the Taliban, right? He was a, yeah. again. I'll repeat myself. The, the chief of, of military operations, right? The strategist. The chief founder of the Taliban in a photo op, standing side by side with who at then was the American Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Huh. In a welcoming ceremony. Um, uh, that typically honors the way in which U.S. welcomes its allies. Typically, you know, in, in, in the office at the two sitting side by side with the flags and the whole thing. We've seen those photo op pictures before with various leaders of various countries um, next to presidents and secretary of the state and so forth. So that's the picture. Yeah. I should have put it up on our website. Maybe I will. All right. So it was at a meeting that would have been impossible had it not been for an unusual intervention by who? By the Trump administration to spring the guy from jail. Two years prior, in 2018, the Trump White House quietly arranged for the guy to be released from prison in Pakistan so that he could participate in the Afghan peace talks between the Taliban and the United States government under the Trump administration. So those are the guys who sprung the current – you guys back in Afghanistan. He came back, right. right? Okay, 10 years, boom, gone in prison. He's back, all right? They're the ones who sprung this guy and is how we got a remarkable image of America's most senior diplomat at the time and the co-founder of the Taliban standing for a photo op shoulder to shoulder. Hmm. Okay. See, it was the reason why Moli Bardar was was able to re-enter Afghanistan, what was that, about a week ago, maybe just a little over a week ago, for the first time in over a decade as the de facto leader of Afghanistan now that the Taliban has taken control. And this guy mm-hmm. is in command saying what goes, what doesn't go. And I understand now that if, the, if you want to get out, if you're American, they're they're not shooting you or anything, but they're, oh, you want to leave, you got to pay us. You can't You can't cross this line unless you pay us money to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we'll take uh, your camel, whichever. The Washington Isn't Post nice. reported. Let me find my Washington yeah. Post note here. I've got a Washington Post. Hold on a second. Okay. <laughs> here we go. I know I had it. Okay. Well, here it is. The Washington Post reported that he was um, escorted into the country on a fleet of es- – where's Cornell and his, es- his escalades? Um, he was escorted <laughs> into the country on a <laughs> by a fleet of Corn- <laughs> Cornell's escalades. Um he was treated to – oh, you know, you know what else? Uh, he was treated uh, to a fireworks dis- display on the way back into power. Oh, really? And, yeah, and the Trump administration's releasing him out of jail. Yes, it really right. did. 
for all intent and purposes, they really paved the way for this, you know, for this Washington Post scoop. You know, I mean, the article came out in the Washington Post, kind of laid out this whole thing. And now we know that William Burns, the uh, CIA, had, had a secret meeting in Afghanistan with this guy yesterday. Uh, what, yesterday, the day before. Yesterday, I think it was, uh, what's today, Wednesday, I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, I forget. But anyway, and the white, uh, you know, the Post noted that um, uh, the, the meeting was kind of ironic in that the CIA that picked him up and put the guy behind bars and, uh, and put him in prison and then released him again under the... Uh, you know, under the Trump administration. But, you know, we're starting yeah. to look at now, we're starting to see now some of the the foundation of of all this. So what I want to do now is I'll play a clip. It's going to take maybe a couple minutes here. Uh, and uh, the I've, I've got an audio clip of John Hudson. John Hudson is the writer of the Washington Post who did this article, who's kind of laying this whole this whole timeline out, if you will. And let's hear now from yeah. John Hudson. Um, it's hard to imagine a more of a full circle event where you have a man who literally spent eight years in a Pakistani prison because of the CIA, uh, the spy agencies that worked with the Pakistanis to arrest him, as he said, sitting, standing next to the top director of the CIA uh, as equals, meeting and hashing out the future of Afghanistan. And it's important to remember, there were many times with which the United States could negotiate with the Taliban over 20 years of war in Afghanistan. But in this meeting, this was not a place where the U.S. had leverage. Uh, it was after the Taliban came in and took over the country with maximum leverage. So that is an incredible full circle event where you go from being locked in a Pakistani prison to then meeting the director of the CIA uh, as your equal in a diplomatic meeting. I think we should see this as a sense of the urgency and the importance with which President Biden is taking the issue of getting Americans and getting Afghan allies out of Afghanistan. He is relying on the one individual in his cabinet who has the most decorated foreign service officer, veteran, uh, experienced diplomat in, in generations. Uh, when before he became confirmed as director of CIA, he was deputy secretary of state. He's been U.S. ambassador to Russia. He served over multiple administrations, Republican and, and Democrat, and is almost universally well-liked in Washington, uh, not because he is plays the game and is overly you know, obsequious with people, but because he is extraordinarily intelligent, extraordinarily competent. Uh, and so it was interesting to see Biden reach out to him in this moment, because for sure, this is actually a sort of diplomatic capacity with which he's talking. They're negotiating over the this evacuation. Unusual for a CIA officer to be in that position uh, and a CIA director. But that's what he was using them for. Uh, but it does really go to his strength over so many years of government service. Are we clear? Uh, huh. <laughs> wow. We have silence. Silence. 
oh, 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 uh, I'm sorry. A girl was talking away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was um, a very valid clip. Yeah. A very interesting one, Ted. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was saying what you didn't hear what I said to myself, actually. No. Um, was, <laughs> oh, what, what was that? Were, as the Andy Demandier show goes, behind the scenes. Um, and <laughs> we, we could almost put a montage together of audio clips when this first started breaking out about the whole withdrawal and how it wasn't going so well. Um, leading up to now, because now it's becoming more clear um, as we, and I'm, and I'm not trying to say, well, see, there you go, it's Trump again, there you go, it's Trump again, not Biden, it's Trump. But more things are pointing to the foundation of how this is occurring initially was orchestrated by the Trump administration, the withdrawal from Afghanistan by May, springing of this yeah. Afghan leader out of prison. He was in jail. If he stayed in jail, he wouldn't be leader right now. And they yeah. pulled him out, and they had a, a welcoming ceremony with him at the White House. You know, well, I guess um, that usually plays out as well. He usually has a foundation from something that's happened much earlier. So, yeah, mm-hmm. whenever a new president comes in, it's always because... Uh, if something happens, then we always look back to the previous presidents to see the link of where those came mm-hmm. from. So, yes, we're not uh, targeting Trump just for the sake of it, but that's clear, mm-hmm. valid argument that we're presenting here that, you know, this did happen with Trump. So, um, yeah, rightly so. Our number is 515-605-9888. If you care to comment, we'd love to hear from you. Um, or just drop us an email at Andy Demander Show at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Spell that out, okay? Andy Demander Show at uh, email. Uh, email. No, at gmail. At gmail. We should sing button. it from now on. We should sing <laughs> the numbers and the addresses. <laughs> uh, you, you, don't, you don't want to hear me sing. You don't want to hear me sing. Uh-uh. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Uh, hey, many people uh, you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I, I want to play a clip. We played this clip before. I wasn't planning on playing this, but I'm going to because of what you just said. I think it's kind of interesting when you talked about just a second ago about, you know, it's always, you know, a new administration comes in, you know, your yeah. country as well as ours. Um, yeah. And there's things that happen that, that you, know, were, you know, previous to this new administration that this new administration has to deal with, to cope with, yeah. and they didn't create the foundation of it, but they're forced to cope with it because they inherited it. And, and let's just yes. listen to some history there. And we've played this on a, on a previous show. I forget which one, but I'm going to play it again because it kind of um, it traces some of this. It's kind of interesting, I think. Let's go even back further than that. Carter has handed a fucked up economy, and he can't do anything to pull us out of it, so he hands Reagan a fucked up economy. Reagan's idea is to lower taxes on the upper class, and the result is massive deficit, massive debt, massive inflation. He ends up having to raise taxes 14 times in eight years and can't balance the budget. He hands it over to Poppy Bush, who doesn't do anything in four years, who hands it over to Clinton, who then works for the Republican Congress, creates a budget that fucking balances the budget, and produces a surplus for six fucking years, oversees the creation of 22 million jobs in eight years, hands that over to W, who then lowers taxes, the Bush tax cuts, and it becomes the first president in American history to lower taxes while going to war. The end result, the worst recession since the Great Depression and 750,000 jobs a month being lost. And to Obama, turns us around, saves us from that recession, saves the auto industry, oversees the longest private sector job growth streak in American history, cuts government spending by two-thirds, has unemployment, doubles the stock market, enter Trump, he creates fewer jobs in the first three years and ignores the pandemic and fucks and fucking tanks the entire economy. 
Ah, he's full of shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way that was presented. Every man and um, woman must be prepared to put mm-hmm. his best effort into the job. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we try. <laughs> we do try. We do try. Um, so anyway, it's uh, we'll, 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 we're, we're going to kind of nurse this story along, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, I guess, and um, we'll, we'll continue. It's just kind of interesting what's happening now, and and, and we we have we have evacuated you know tens of thousands of people out of um, Afghanistan, Kabul, and are continuing to do so. Uh, we're going to get every American out of Afghanistan. Then we're going to get every Afghan who worked beside America in, in their struggles there uh, out. And then we're going to also look at uh, at evacuating um, Afghans who are applying for, you know, to, to get out of the country and applying for, you know, uh, citizenship or whatever. Or not citizenship, you know. Yeah. 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 Eventually, you might apply for citizenship. Hey, I hope they do and become very successful and maybe even invest in AMC. <laughs> Yeah, well, that'll be good. Yeah. Bless them. Hell yeah. 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 So what's going on there? Uh, a couple of things i got to talk about, which I just came across here, are uh, live on the Indy Manor Show, but we'll get to them in a minute. But tell me, what is going on there? Okay, a few things. So going back to um, Afghanistan, obviously, that's the biggest news. So uh, the UK is talking about how we're um, depending on the US at the moment. Uh, the UK has warned the US decision to leave Afghanistan on the 31st of August will mean an end to evacuations from the Kabul airport. It is uh, calling for safe passage to continue after that date. Why can't the UK hold Kabul airport without the US? Well, the US is providing the bulk of the troops to keep the airport secure and is running many of its facilities, including air traffic control. It is also providing intelligence and surveillance for the operation, which would take significant time and resources to replace um, so, you know, we're really relying on the U.S. to, to help us with this. Um, General Sir Richard Barron's Commander Joint Forces Command from 2013 until 2016 said, carrying out evacuations without U.S. support would be extremely difficult. We would have to be prepared to leave the airport and fight Taliban to go and get these people. I just don't see that as a credible proposition. And secondly, the Taliban don't want our airplanes uh, to use the airport, one mortar round, one missile, one burst of a machine gun fire, and the evacuation is over. Um, so on Wednesday, the BBC was told there were 2,000 people eligible for the UK government's Afghan relocation scheme still in Afghanistan. So, you know, we're really reliant on you guys at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, I think uh, Boris, good old Boris, BJ, yeah. and um, with um, Biden about this and to, to see if we can get that extension and help. Because at the end of the day, you guys are much more powerful in that sense. You have much more um, resources to hand. You are bigger in, in, in that sense. So, you know, to have your help is uh, obviously extremely useful in many situations. So uh, we love you guys. Aw. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing <laughs> that the... That <laughs> is like, you're right. <laughs> Um, so Afghan people are rule apparently this is what the Taliban is saying now how true this is I don't know they're saying the Taliban's former ambassador to Pakistan has told the BBC that the militant group have no plans to repeat their harsh rule and already living up to their commitments the life of the people right now is normal um, who I said Mullah Abdul Salam Zaif oh that wasn't bad I <laughs> Uh, he's hey, the ambassador. He did better than I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thanks. 
Well, it's a little less complicated, that one. Um, he's the leader of the, uh, oh, sorry, the ambassador until the Taliban were outed 20 years ago and uh, was more recently been involved with peace talks. So the, they're saying the education of women started and women can go back to work. Um, Mr. Saeed said some Afghans have been using recent disturbances at Kabul airport as an excuse to leave the country without proper documentation. Um, he has also hit out at the coverage of the Taliban, which he said painted them in a bad light. This is a big conspiracy against the Taliban, given this kind of idea to people that the Taliban, they are terrible and they are against the people. They are against education, said Mr. Zayf. When I am contacting uh, with the people in Kabul, the people are happy, he added. Um, uh, they are not taking any kind of revenge on the people, even the people who go to the Kabul airport. The Taliban are not preventing them from going to the airport the legal way. Now, in other parts of the news, they're saying that the Taliban have been hitting people, abusing people. You know, so the media is saying one thing and this guy is saying another. So how true either one is, we don't really know. Um, mm. <clears throat> the other few things... Um, it's not so serious, I guess, but I guess they're kind of serious to us. So, first of all, the COVID. So, here in the southwest of England, my local part of the world, the, mm-hmm. there's been a, a increase in COVID cases, actually, mostly um, those aged between 15 and 24 years old, and an increase in those aged 60. You know, those are 60 and over, it's pretty natural for them to, to have this spike. Uh, but they're guessing that the 15 and 24 year olds in um, COVID could be down to big festivals that we have had recently, which could have been the breeding ground for a majority of the spread. So we're talking about, about 770 cases per 100,000 people at the moment, um, which I guess could be seen as low, but that's still quite potentially a bad thing. However, we still have low death rates, which is which is good. It's good. Um, public health officials have said low levels of natural immunity in unvaccinated residents could be partly to blame for the escalating figures. And Andy, you and I have been talking about this so often about um, the unvaccinated people. Um, yes, we have. Yes, like, what do we say? Like beating a dead horse, you know, over and over and over and over. Yeah, yeah we have. We have. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The other thing, actually, that excited me was this massive uh, thing going on with Madagascar at the moment, bless them. So it's about climate change. Okay, So they're on the brink of a climate change induced famine, and apparently it's, it's classed as the first in the world. They've had no rape for four years, and farmers and families have been struggling to produce what they need, harvesting what they have sown, etc. Uh, many families and people are dying of starvation, barely surviving off um, things like insects, uh, locusts, which they can just like clean. Seeing as water is so scarce, um, they're trying their best to clean these things while they eat them. And uh, they've been trying to eat cactus leaves as well, anything they can find like that. And my heart broke for them when I read this, that one family, a mother and her three children, have been living off these things for eight months. And her husband recently died of starvation, and they're saying that this is down to climate change because of the, the patterns of drought that they get from weather changes, usually caused by the uh, El Nino weather patterns. So uh, this is not just affected like small places there, but it's now spread into larger towns where children are on the streets giving the food. And uh, they're saying that the prices on the market there are increasing three to four times and the amount of people are selling off their land just to buy food. So there are even people sleeping amongst their crops to stop those who are desperate for food and it's become so dangerous for them. It's just crazy. I just really feel for them right now. 
you know, there's me sat here today, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat this, I'm going to eat that. And then I read this story, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. It really kind of brings you back down to, to earth a little. Um, but, yeah, there's uh, another thing we've got. You know, since we've had um, this whole thing with Brexit, well, our supermarkets here, my darling, have the shelves yeah. have been yeah. part empty mm-hmm. for quite a while now, and everybody's been like, why, mm-hmm. what's going on? So, um Thing factors come into the equation, okay? So the first is obviously is COVID with all the lockdowns that we've had and now further isolations. Um, now we're out of lockdown saying that, you know, if you come into contact with somebody who's uh, got COVID, you must isolate still. But they, they wavered that after August the 16th, I think it was. Um, so the second um, big thing is that we've, we've left the EU, which disrupted goods coming into the country. And we've had massive queues of lorry drivers and chaos. Unbelievable. Especially yeah. with... That was around Christmas. We had that massive chaos. So um, that was the time when coming out of your East finally. We're in the news. They are saying that we should warn for more shortages regarding Christmas supplies of foods and other goods, which in September usually is time when supermarkets start to stockpile ready for Christmas. And uh, we've already seen a big lack of food on our shelves and stuff like that. So. Um, and we've also seen a big lack of drivers recently, and they have been uh, taking on drivers from other countries to help with the issues we've been having. And they are trying to get heavy goods drivers to be added to the UK's skilled workers list to um, help drivers uh, be recruited from overseas. So hopefully that will help us out because it's not looking very promising right now with those things going on. But then, you know, um, should have foreseen this, and he probably did, and whether he's, you know, gone for it, I don't know. Um, but been urging the government to take on people from overseas just to get the the goods over to us and um you're, you're, you're breaking crazy. up there, I you're, you're I breaking up okay. yeah i mean i can hear what you're saying but it's just kind of like a little little static a little broken up but you can hear what you're saying though but it's broken up but for whatever reason okay. that's the internet okay. i don't know i don't know yeah yeah but uh, in yeah. a moment then if um when mm-hmm. you continue to share what you need to share i'll Disconnect brief and uh, reconnect to see if that makes reconnect, a difference. See if that works. No, but here's what I want to do. There's another a new story which I was saying, which I just got, uh, just as I said earlier, just, just it's you know fairly new, and I'll tell you what that's about. As soon as I remember, do you remember what it's about? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that, 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 that would do me some good. You know, I've got this short-term memory problem here. Um, no, here's what it is. Uh, the, there's a lawsuit that's happening now, just recently filed, hmm. against a, a few people in Detroit who had robocalls. Tens of thousands of black voters, African-American voters, tens of thousands mm-hmm. warning them not to mail in their ballots. This is for the presidential election because that way – if you mail in their ballots, they're going to give all your information to the credit bureaus to go after all your bad debt. And any, any legal problems you have, it's going, they're going to turn all of your information over to the appropriate authorities so they can come and get you. Do not mail your ballot in. And that was on a robocall, which I happen to have a copy of. Mm-hmm. Oh, you do. So we're going to play the call. We're going to play it. And this is real. This is real. This this is Americans calling other Americans. All right, keep. The, I don't care what the color of the skin is. All right, this is Americans telling a particular a faction of society, African Americans, not to vote because if they do, and if they owe any money, all the creditors are going to know about it, and they're going to come after you if you mail your ballot in. 
This is absolutely true. Oh, my goodness. All right, let, let me play it for you. Here we go. Okay. Hi, this is Tamika Taylor from Project 1599, the civil rights organization founded by Jack Berkman and Jacob Wolf. Mail-in voting sounds great. But did you know that if you vote by mail, your personal information will be part of a public database that will be used by police departments to track down old warrants and be used by credit card companies to collect outstanding debts? The CDC is even pushing to use records for mail-in voting to track people for mandatory vaccines. Don't be finessed into giving your private information to the man. Stay safe and beware of vote by mail. Don't, don't give your information to the man. Beware of voting. But just try to stay out of my way. Just try. Come out, come out, wherever you are, and meet the young ladies who sell from a star. Part of the great American spirit of generosity we're always told about. <laughs> Do not retract that statement. Mm-hmm. See? Last <laughs> <Wow. laughs> <Lost> part. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was hilarious. Wow. I looked at the first part. Truly shocked. Are we clear? I'm, I'm dumbfounded by now. <laughs> Some may say dumb, but... Mmm... <laughs> Mm. Oh, wow. Andy. Mm. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And that's pretty yeah. true. That's, that's. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love the music in the background. Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's real scare tactics, that is. I don't like that. Yeah, that's they... bullying. Mm-hmm. If you and don't like it, I'm a whoop you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, behave. Wow. Behave. Yeah, please. Crazy, yeah. Andy. Truly crazy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it definitely, definitely not so. It's, it's hard It's hard to, uh, it's, it, they're suing them. There's, there's a lawsuit now. That's, so they're, you know, we'll, we'll follow that say, too, yeah. as best we can. We're going to follow that because those folks who made those, who are responsible for orchestrating the, that scenario and those calls are going to pay heavily in terms of the criminal indictments now. So they will Good. not be able to... Uh, Ooh, you know, that really it impaired group cohesion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their yes. efforts definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know what? They're, um, they're, this is nothing to do with what we just talked about, but uh, complete change of subject. They're, they're, okay. they're changing how the landline works here in the UK. So, you know, like... How landmine works? No. Really? No, darling. No. <laughs> Do you say a landmine? <laughs> They're changing no. how the landmine works? A landline. Like, you walk in and it blew up on you? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. What happens is you approach it and it actually greets you with flowers. I can't follow the logic on that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you go up and you have a disco. It just opens up in front of you, you know. Like I said, it releases smell of roses and beautiful music and starting a party. Beautiful. No, um, oh, landline, yes. darling. You know the phone, phone that's plugged into oh, a wire and a wall. Landline. No, no. Yeah, you're, you're in the UK. We're reinventing the landmine. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Who knows that may happen? Hello, chap. I've got something for you here. 
Yeah, it's a party day. <laughs> yes, come on Pizza. over for our new landmines, darling. Come and enjoy the party. <laughs> come on, come on. I'll get something funny to try now. Yeah. Please, sir. Step back this way. Step back this way. Yeah, play some more. I hope you're wearing yeah. good shoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so now, that's... Excuse me. Sir. Excuse me. <laughs> sir, walk this way. <laughs> Walk this way. <laughs> Jump out the way. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. Um, we a landline, you know, the phone that you plug into the wall. <laughs> they're changing it that. They're, molecularly they're impossible. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you would mm-hmm. think, but they're yeah. removing those. <laughs> the old copper cables are coming out, and they're getting rid of it, and it's all being transferred to online. So it's like, okay, so then if we have a power cut and the internet goes down, you're screwed. You can't make um, you can't make a call on a normal landline anymore. It should, it should you be in an emergency? No, you've got to rely on everything on Wi-Fi now. I was just really this is, issue is under uh, investigation. Yes, it mm-hmm. bloody well should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think here I was going to get a, a phone. Um, I actually installed it in my mom's apartment, my mother, who's, mm. who's a, you know, elderly, you know, you never know, but she is. And uh, sometimes she doesn't hear her cell phone. And, you know, I call her, I call her, and she's fine, you know, and she doesn't hear it, or the volume's off, or, or it's an Apple, and she's confused as to what is what. And I was going to install a, you know, regular phone, you can plug it in all, and ringy, dingy, dingy, you know, like you, like the good old days, you know, hello, Mabel. Uh, anyway. Uh, there he is. And yes. Yeah, remember those days? But, well, yes, you might not. But anyway, uh, actually, I didn't either. But uh, I don't want to date myself. But anyway, um, so uh, then I, uh, same thing, you know, I, I, you can't get a phone installed here. It, it goes through your internet. Like the, the internet companies are now providing the, the landline, internet, and um, what? Internet, landline, and television and, uh, a bundle. Uh, and their, uh, yeah. Their, yeah. And the television, all in a bundle, <laughs> because they all work through. Uh, your internet router. Oh. You plug you plug your phone into your computer, you know. Yeah. Or your router, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we are executing uh, on our plan. And they must be doing it. You know, they must be doing it because. Uh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. um, you know the the band Nirvana. You, you've heard of them. They've been around mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. got a really famous album cover, okay? Um, and the album cover has a, a baby. It's classic. Everybody remembers it. It was on T-shirts and everything. It's a baby swimming in a swimming pool with a dollar bill in front of it dangling in the water as if the baby's chasing it, okay? So the, mm-hmm. the baby, now a grown man by the name of Spencer Alden, um, he is the is the one that is suing... Nirvana, um, because of the uh, sexual exploitation of that cover. So the cover depicts Alden as a four-month-old in the swimming pool, grasping a dollar bill that's been dangled in front of him on a fishing line. And he says his parents never signed a release authorizing the use of that image on the album and alleges the nude image constitutes child pornography. Now, at the time, Mm. you know, these days you got pedophiles everywhere they're more exposed now and i I guess back then it was seen more of an an innocent time where this thing wasn't such a a problem and um it's interesting how now this case is coming Mm. to light and why wasn't that done much sooner 
Um, but they're saying the images exposed um, Spencer's intimate body part and uh, displayed his genitals from the time Whoa. he was an infant to the present day. Yes, this is a full, you know, full shot picture. And um, they're saying it's uh, uh, non-sexualized photos of infants are generally not considered child pornography under U.S. law. However, Alden's lawyer argues that the inclusion of the dollar bill, which was superimposed after the photograph was taken, makes the minor seem like a sex worker. Now, I can understand this point, okay, but when I've looked at the album cover all these years, all I have seen is what that image is truly portraying, which is the baby chasing money and how we're, we're um, conditioned to chase money from a very early age. So, you know, because Nirvana's music is, you know, all about that kind of stuff. Um, their music's very um, vocal with life and things like that. So um, I get the album cover completely. I don't look at it and think, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a child sex worker, you know? I don't, I don't look mm -hmm. at it like that. But, of course, these things get thrown into the equation to make for a solid argument. Um, so Alden alleges his true identity and legal name are forever tied to the commercial sexual exploitation he experienced as a minor, which has been distributed and sold worldwide from the time he was a baby to the present day. He claims he has suffered and will continue to suffer lifelong damages as a result of the artwork, including extreme and permanent emotional distress, I feel for him, as well as interference with his normal development and educational progress and medical and psychological treatment. Wow. Um, he's mm. asking for damages of at least $150,000 um, from each of the 15 defendants who include surviving band members, uh, Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic. I don't know if I pronounce it. The managers of Kurt Cobain's estate, uh, Cobain's former wife, Courtney Love, and the photographer, Kirk Weddle. Uh, representatives for Nirvana and their record labels have yet to respond to the claims. Um, but the fact that they have no, you know, um, mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't get any authorization. That's that's a really really bad thing considering how much money that album made as well. Um, oh my gosh! It's incredible. Yeah. yeah um, mm. Wow. It's, it's yeah. It's 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 not good. I, I wonder how that case is going to go actually. Um, I'd be interested to check where he gets with uh, with that. Yeah. But it's just well, you know, crazy. Talking about uh, yeah, she's we're talking about the you know uh, uh, news and music industry. Of course, we know that uh, we've all heard by now that mm. um, Charlie Watts, the famed, fantastic, amazing drummer who was with him since 1963. Uh, had died, I guess it was yesterday or the day before. Oh. Yesterday, I think it was. Um, wow. Yeah, drum, uh, he was, uh, I mean, the Rolling Stones, a member of the core band. Uh, interestingly enough, he was initially turned down for that job, and a guy named Dick Taylor was his name, uh, was the original drummer, and he left, and they brought in, um, they brought in Charlie Watts, who was with them, you know, ever, ever since, and uh, he died. He was... Um, he was going to um, skip this latest tour uh, that they're starting in North America. Um, right. And that was made public, I think, just a few weeks ago. I remember mentioning on the show that, you know, that he and, and uh, Charlie Watts picked, I forget 
you know, I don't have this in front of me, so excuse me, but they picked the selected the drummer who's going to be replacing him, who I know the name, but I don't know off the top of my head. Um, and um, so it was due to an unknown medical procedure that he had that he was going to recover from and sit out this next Rolling Stones tour, and then that was pretty much all you heard of it, and the next thing you know, Charlie Watts had died Tuesday at the age of 80. Um, again, he became part of the Stones. Oh. Um, behind, you know, we all know Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and uh, Ronnie Wood, um, who replaced uh, uh, replaced Mick Taylor. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, and he played uh, for over 50 years, and um, his bandmates um, were the first who you know, posted tributes, official tributes on social media with Jagger posting a picture on Twitter and Instagram of Watts, you know, drumming. And Keith Richards also yeah. posted a picture to his social media account. It's kind of uh, cute. It's a, it's a drum kit, you know, with nobody behind it, and it has a yeah. closed sign. you got to look that one up. And then Ronnie Wood posted a picture of himself with Watts adding with his posts, I love you, my fellow Gemini. I will clearly miss you. You are the best. Um, and uh, you know many other musicians went on post uh, uh, on social media. Um, the Stones had announced earlier this month that Charlie Watts again would miss the band's upcoming uh, tour called the No Filter Tour, and that was uh, again after undergoing a, uh, a medical procedure, which we don't know what that was. Um, a Charlie Watts spokesman uh, said that he had passed away peacefully in a London hospital. Uh, surrounded by his family, adding that he was one of the greatest drummers of this generation. Charles is an amazing drummer. Wow. In the, uh, he defined, yeah. you know, I had I had backup bands for the Andy Kimball Express. The band was called various backup bands, as many as nine musicians. We played concerts and shows and all this, and we never rehearsed, or we rarely rehearsed. I shouldn't say never, but we almost never, ever rehearsed. We certainly uh, never rehearsed any songs outside of ones that we had to do on TV and so forth. We were confined to a certain amount of time. Uh, we yeah. would do these new tunes. The band, I have all these band guys behind me. I'm leading the band, and I'd introduce a new song. The band would have no idea what it is, but the musicians were so good that they just kind of knew me, and they felt what I was going to do and where I was going with my music, and they were right there, man. What a great group of musicians. But I always used to, the drummers that we had, um, I, when they came in, and I, you know, and some, we had went through a, a couple, not not we went through, but, you know, different, they're all studio musicians, so, so you know, some could make the, the gig and others could, and I had, my bass player was my music director, and he'd bring the different musicians in and out, and yeah. I would meet them for the first time on stage. You know, I, sometimes I'd introduce the band, and I didn't know who they were. Yes, <laughs> on guitar we have our... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any good? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> on, on drums, uh, <laughs> it's uh, him and uh, him. them and uh, <laughs> but I, I always used to tell the drummers that you know Charlie Watts. I'm looking for that in the pocket, you know, slightly ahead of the beat, slightly behind the beat, but right in that pocket, you know, right there. That's all, nothing fancy. And and Charlie Watts to find that. I always used to say that you you know Charlie Watts, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. Yeah, you know that that type yeah. of and, and he was the best, the best of that. Um, you know, a bunch of other musicians shared their memories and tributes on Watts uh, on various social media um, with uh, many of them, you know, very well-known bands and drummers uh, who were inspired yeah. by the guy. Uh, um, you know, uh, Paul McCartney said that, I uh, oh, love you, Charlie. Yeah. Always loved you. Beautiful man. Um, oh, good and, cool. uh, Of course, his death is going to be a huge blow because it now brings the stones to Keith Richards' Mick Jagger and Ronnie Wood, the bass player. Mm. I think is Jones. What's his name? Bri- no, I'll say Brian. Jo- um, Daryl Jones, the bass player. He's incredible. Man, is he hot? He's great. But he's not officially a member of the Rolling Stones. Neither will the drummer be. Um, yeah. 
The uh, <laughs> you know the they did have Brian Jones, didn't they? Originally. Yeah, the, yeah, he, yeah, he. Brian Jones left the band uh, way back when. Uh, he had a huge, big, big drug problem. There's some mystery surrounding his death, but he died way back mm-hmm. when in a swimming pool accident of some sort. He drowned, but uh, on a drug overdose. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know the band uh, Pearl Jam. The uh, lead guitarist guy is named Mike McCready, and he uh, uh, twatted, tweeted, twatted. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds so bad. <laughs> whatever, whatever you do, on you know, that he went thing. over and t- <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what do you call yeah. it? Tweeted. 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 He tooted. <laughs> he tooted. <laughs> he said, um, "All of us in a rock band wouldn't be here if it weren't been for Charlie Watts." And uh, Aerosmith, you know, Aerosmith, they posted, uh, we are extremely sad to hear the passing of legendary Charlie Watts. Our deepest condolences to Charlie's family and the Rolling Stones. Aerosmith added that Watts had given all, us all so much. Um, and in 1962, Brian Jones actually formed the Rolling Stones with Mick Jagger. Yeah. And also keyboard did. player by name Ian Stewart. Yeah, so it was a piano yeah. player, Ian Stewart, uh, Brian Jones, and Mick Jagger. And uh, uh, guitarist Keith Richards came along and, uh, and a guy named Dick Taylor. And Watts initially was turned down for the group's first as I, uh, you know, drumming position, as I said earlier. And he uh, later, you know, conceded to playing his first gig with him in, in 1963. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Brian Jones is buried here in, in my hometown. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. It's wow. a, quite a, a popular visiting uh, spot, as you can imagine. A lot of people visit his grave and big fans. and uh, So, yeah, it's quite a, a touristy thing. <laughs> mm. Bless him. Mm. Yeah. Wow. But that's sad. The, the Rolling Stones were my favorite rock and roll band in the whole world. Of course, the, the, oh, the three with, with different musicians are going to continue their tour, uh, as of now, mm. anyway. The tour is going to go. Well, because Charlie Watts is going to play on the tour anyway. So yeah. I guess the tour will continue. I haven't heard anything official. I don't know why they wouldn't. As a matter of fact, they'll probably be now. Is it, is it probably I'm sure with the passing of Charlie Watts, that'll add an extra dimension, an extra specialness in a way, if you will, to their upcoming uh, North American tour. I have never seen this. They're my favorite band in the world, and it's funny because you know my my real gig is is a you know guitar player, a blues folk musician, singer, songwriter, whatever yeah. you call it, and. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've I've been on many many radio shows and television programs, and it's quite often asked that who my earlier influences, um, yeah, are, and and I say Keith Richards to the surprise uh, of some, cool. but not to the surprise of others, because Keith Richards is a blues guitar player, and he's an amazing, amazing. blues guitar player, really really good. Yeah. Not so much in his terms of what he does technically, but his delivery and his emotion and his foundation, the core music that he presents. Nothing that he does yeah. is all this oh my god playing. Uh, but man, it's all about that emotion, about that delivery, and that's what makes a music. Somebody communicates. That's a musician, in my oh. opinion. You know, somebody can communicate, yeah. and that's yeah. that's what. Uh, so, um, so the Stones have. I mean, you hear them play, and they're just you know, they're definitely my my fave band, and I can't Absolutely. believe. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah oh, unbelievable. What are my favorite? Everybody, Paris from me. I think everybody thought that Keith Richards was going to go a long time ago. How he's still with us, I have no idea. Yeah, it's like they keep going. It's great. (laughs) But there's a lot of people in there, like with celebrities, whatever, and they're like, how old are they now? How are they still going? Well, 
Yeah. It's like they're still going right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like some some have been around forever, and it, it's just legendary that they're still and rocking on or doing what they're doing. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. 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 Hey. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something. Yes. Do you remember what it was again? I forgot. Um, Ooh, I need to get better at this because, um, yeah, he practiced. For your job. What is what? Eddie thinking? Mm. Ta-da. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can you just see us now being invited onto a TV show? From the Andy and Amanda show, we have Andy and Amanda. And, uh, one of the, the things they're going to be doing this evening is Amanda's going to be sat there guessing what Andy has to say. Okay. So give us time to focus. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure, Amanda. Mm. Take your time. Okay. Andy, be quiet for a moment. Uh, Let me concentrate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But anyway, it's, of course, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so it's sad indeed and uh, in the band. Yeah, it is. They were first introduced to me. I've always known the Stones. I mean, back when I was, a, you know, I was a yeah. young, young lad listening to the Stones. And, um, yeah. and I guess... I guess what can be said was I was a fan ever since I was nine or ten years old or something like that, you know. Or, wow, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I was a lot of that stuff. I officially became a fan. I mean a big time, like an incredible fan. Um in tenth grade when my geometry teacher was kinda of like long hair into music and stuff. Really cool guy. By the name of Ron Yulin. Oh. Oh, Ron cool. Yulin, my tenth grade Geometry teacher was really into the Stones and traveled to see them, and and he just uh, he'd seen them in 1969 at Madison Square Garden, which was recorded and turned into an album called "Get Your Yayas Out." He introduced me to that album and the Stones. I went and bought it and put it on my my turntable and couldn't take it off and started a band. You know, I was in a band all through high school and we played almost wow. every track on that album. We played almost every track on that album. And I got to tell you, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Bust a button on my trousers, hope they don't fall down. Start jumping around, man. I have to do it up again. <laughs> you don't want my trousers to fall down now, do you? But the but we had that sound, <laughs> that stone sound between, you know, Mick Taylor and, and Keith Richards at the time. We just had the guitar sound down, and we did a lot of stuff. And we played we played a lot of music, not just Stones. But when we did the Stones songs. It was you know I was such a fan, you know, so into them. Um, that yeah. Just had that Keith Richards that 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 beat and that rhythm and that orchestration of the guitars, and um, I just loved it. I, I used to get goosebumps playing it. <laughs> And this wow. is, you know, 15 years old, yeah. 14 years old, you know. Uh-oh. The skinny little thing I was, you know. But still, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I had that, though, with um, the band Crowded House. They are Australian kind of and New Zealand mix. And um, I first heard their music when I was about 11, I think, something like that. And I was hooked hmm. when I heard their, their song on the radio. I was like, oh, my God. I grabbed the radio, picked it up, took it into my parents. I said, Mom, Dad, listen to this. It's good. They were like, oh, yeah, it really is good. And then I was just hooked from that moment on. And still to this day, I played their music, and I'm just 
filled with all this emotion and feeling, and it feels like home, and it's just incredible. And it's, they're very deep in their lyrics mm. and, and their music. Um, such mm-hmm. an amazing band. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, we're about to... Uh, are we almost done? I think, am I getting the yeah, guys? Yeah, just over guys, a minute. Am I seeing the, 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 the lights blinking off and on and people calling us and bring us and all the stuff happening, uh, get off the air? Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, probably. Hey, listen, you know, we, we have a podcast, and a lot of you are listening to the show's podcast, most of you actually, and we our numbers are going way up, way up, and we want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody who is listening to the show, whether you're hearing us live or on the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're looking to take Absolutely. this show to the next level. Whatever that level is, we don't know, but we're looking to uh, to take it to the next level. If you don't like it, I'm going to whoop you. Said, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but anyway, we got to go. And, and we're going to be back uh, on Friday uh, talking about the AMC stock squeeze with our our, our our, our good friend of our show, a guy by the name of uh, of Lee Dune, who's made some amazing investment. He's not an investment counselor or stockbroker or anything like that. Advisor, just just one of the guy, one of the people, an ordinary citizen who made some incredible uh, decisions, and he said uh, has been a great contributor to our Friday show. We're going to do more about that on Friday. Okay, Amanda, uh, we got to get out of here. It's been great as always. Uh, when I just off the show, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you Friday. Go ahead, Amanda. Take it away. Okay. On behalf of Andy Kimball in California, Hollywood, and myself, Amanda Love here in the UK, thank you so much for joining us for another show. Love you guys. We appreciate your support. And we'll see you again on Friday. Tune in. You don't want to miss it. All about AMC and all that good stuff. So take care, all right? Keep smiling. We love you. And, and what we'll try to do is uh, maybe put a... Uh, um, if you're still listening to the podcast, you'll uh, hear, we'll, we'll, why don't we contribute to the Rolling Stones? Why don't we just go ahead and uh, play a version of, um, which we hear? I guess the popular tune, Hunky Tunk Woman. You can't go wrong with Hunky Tunk Woman, right? What do you think? Oh, cool. Yeah, very cool. Let's we do that? So here yeah. on the Amandy, uh, Amandy uh, Andy and... <laughs> uh... I actually like women much more than I like men. And that's why I can never spit the uh-huh. names out, right? I get nervous. I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. So uh, here on the Andy and Amanda show, we'll, we'll finish with um, a tribute to the Rolling Stones by performing. Uh, by performing. <laughs> Amanda and I are going to perform. <laughs> yeah, we're going to perform. Our per- we're going to perform a set of Rolling Stones a cappella. She's a ha 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 no, um. <laughs> um, but we'll go ahead and. She's uh, an armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead and um, and play that tune if I could cue it up here. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get to it. Anyway, here it is, folks. We'll see you on Friday. Please listen in. Again, Friday's show is going to be at noon and the West Coast is going to be at 3 p.m. on the East Coast. And it's going to be at 8 p.m. in the U.K. We'll see you Friday. Here is Hunky Tunk Woman, The Rolling Stones. Take care, folks. <laughs>